0: Hey there, language lovers. Shannon Kennedy here, back with my co-host Benny Lewis for another episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. This episode features Svenja, who's learned several languages with us as a part of the Fluent in Three Months Challenge. The Fluent in Three Months Challenge prepares you to have a 15-minute conversation in your new language after just 90 days. You can learn more and join us at languagehacking.com challenge. And in our conversation with Svenja, we discuss the differences between learning a language in school versus on your own, building language islands, maintaining multiple languages, what a polyglot's daily learning routine looks like, and how to gain confidence as a language learner. If you enjoy this episode of the podcast, you can let us know by visiting languagehacking.com slash review. Leave us a review. Let us know what you like about the podcast, what you'd like to hear more of. And of course, your reviews help other language learners find us. You can find all of the links and resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes. Now let's get into our interview with Svenja. The links
1: and resources mentioned in this episode can be found at languagehacking.com forward slash 61. Welcome to the Language
0: Hacking Podcast from Fluent in Three Months. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. My name is Shannon Kennedy, and I'm here with Benny Lewis. And today we are talking with one of our Fluent in 3 Months Challenge participants. And she's studied a couple different languages with us in the challenge. She's made incredible progress, and she has a very interesting story to share about her language learning progress. So Svenja, why don't you go ahead and start with how you got started with language learning? Great to be here. Thanks. Um, really, um, there
1: are many polyglots that always say, like, how they hated languages at school and that they weren't good at us at it. And, um, for me, that was really different. I always liked languages and I also liked languages at school. Um, it just took a long time at school to get at a level where you could really talk to native speakers. I mean, I had English in school, I think, for nine years, about five hours a week. And maybe at the end, I was at the B2 or C1 level. And I had French in school for three years, and um, also like 10 hours a week. And I was at the B1 level, maybe, um, when I finished. So it always took a long time to really get to know the language. And then I went to university and um, I tried to learn Spanish. And I took a course at the university and I failed miserably. (laughs) (laughs) I, I just, I took the course. I went there. I did the homework and I wondered why I couldn't really speak or why I couldn't remember anything. And then I dropped out of the course. I also had all the mandatory courses, so I didn't have much time. Um then I went to different countries. I studied a year in England and I went to Spain and France. And um, I managed to pick up languages, the language there really easily because um, I was lucky. No one spoke English. And of course, no one spoke German. And I shared an apartment with native speakers, and I had friends that were native speakers. So naturally I just had to speak the, the target language and I just automatically learned it. But then I came back and I decided I wanted to learn Arabic. And um, I started my new job, so I didn't have time to live in the country. and. I also didn't have so much time to really learn it because I had the job. So I just took a language course. I went there and of course it didn't work. I never, I never dropped out. I had like sometimes where I didn't go and sometimes where I really went to the courses, but I never really improved. So about two years ago, I just searched on the internet and thought, how can I learn Arabic. How can I get better? I want to speak to people and I've been trying so hard and I can't really do it. And I found the fluent in three Man, which was at one at that time. And what fascinated me was that it wasn't for a specific language. Um, when I read, it's about learning how to learn languages, I was just fascinated. And I thought, yeah, that's exactly it. I never thought about how to learn languages. I just thought you have to live in the country, then you learn the language. If you don't, you just need years and years and years and you go to a course and maybe you can speak a bit after, I don't know, five years, six years. And to know you just have to find a way that works for you to learn languages. This was really what fascinated me. So I dived right in with Arabic and for the first time, I really realized if I wanted to speak to people, I had to speak. I had to practice speaking. I, it, it sounds so simple, but I, I always went the traditional way of learning grammar and trying to study vocabulary and uh, I almost didn't speak at all and then I discovered the italki website which is my favorite one the favorite internet tool ever and I chose some teachers there and I regularly talked with them and this is just one thing that really 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 improved my language learning
2: amazing so like, like you said uh- the story for um for many polyglots is that they didn't quite find languages interesting in school whereas you did so um obviously you just said the the speaking component was was missing there but what other th- uh, differences do you find with something like having done the fluent in 3 months challenge and your experience in school given that your passion was there because for me the difference was was day and night because i didn't even have the passion so I needed to be speaking to get that momentum initially, but you did have that passion. So what what else was missing?
1: Um, well, beside this aspect that I almost didn't speak, um, you always went with like a book or a fixed course in school, like in school and also at university or language schools. And um It gave you loads of things that were like personally irrelevant to me. Like you learn, you start, you learn about hundreds of kinds of vegetables or professions or whatever, and loads of things are just boring or I knew I would never use them. And I really liked the idea to pick out um the vocabulary that is relevant for you. And it might be some things that in like a normal course would just come up like at the advanced level or not at all. But if it's your hobby or your job or whatever you like to speak about, you it's good to know it in the beginning. And other things that are just boring, I just didn't learn them and it's okay. And this was something that was really important for me to realize. Um, another thing was uh, the idea of language islands. Um, so it means that you that you pick out like a number of topics you would like to be able to talk about, and um, you try to learn the relevant vocabulary of phrases, and then you already feel comfortable because you have a number of topics you can talk about. I think this is a brilliant idea, and really worked for me. Um, normally, if I speak German, I tend to like really reflect on what I say, and I I try to talk like really complex. Um, For example, if people ask me why I'm learning languages, I might say how I like how it connects you to the society and uh, how it's different from speaking uh, in English if it's not our native language. And before, I always tried to give the same complex answers in my target language but it simply doesn't work at all if you are not at a very advanced level so i always got stuck and i couldn't say anything because i tried to say all these complicated things i say like in in german or or english so i really it really helped me to simplify things and to really dare even if it's not exactly what i might want to say that i maybe just say why do you learn the language because I like to talk to the people, because I like the language, because I like to travel. It's very simple, and I wouldn't answer like this in German, but it really helps if you're at like a lower level or not completely advanced, just to get some of the things you want to say across and to get talking to people. And I think this is very important because As a profession, I'm a lawyer and I'm so used to that, like, it's so important to use the exact phrase and to talk like really um, with thought. And (laughs) it just doesn't work if you if you've just learned the language and you're quite new in it. So
0: this really helped me to become more fluent, to simplify what I want to say. Given that you've studied so many languages now, you've likely hit uh, quite a few different milestones and moments in your language learning. And in particular, one of the things that I want to ask you about are some of the things that you find really difficult in studying languages and kind of from when you started when you were first studying your first language like what was the most difficult part for you then and then once you really learned how to learn languages what sort of struggles do you face now and how do how do they differ
1: i think when i first started learning languages grammar was the most difficult thing for me and i think it's part of it was the way um the focus was put on grammar. It was always really important to get everything correct. And you had loads of rules to remember. And if you just try to remember rules, it's so difficult to apply it when talking. And um, for me now, this is less difficult because I don't focus so much on it. I try to... Um, learn some important phrases by heart, and then it gives me a feeling of the grammar. And at a later stage, I try to really look into the grammar and understand it. And it makes it a lot easier than just remembering abstract rules. But what's really difficult for me is normally the pronunciation. And this was just something, um, I don't know, in school, our teacher were never native speakers. And there was just no focus at all on pronunciation. And I think it's really important because of course you can't speak like a native speaker if you don't, I don't know, some people do, but (laughs) I don't, but, um, I think it's important to be able to talk in a way that you are clearly understood. And it's really, if you talk and people don't really understand you because of your pronunciation. They switch into English or you have all these awkward situations and you don't feel comfortable speaking. And once you know the pronunciation, the talking is so much more comfortable and easier, even if you don't know the grammar or if you don't know so many words. So this is one really important point for me to, to focus on pronunciation. And it's really hard because we, with grammar, I mean, even though I don't remember all these <laughs> horrible details we had at school, I have like a general idea about grammar, but I don't have any idea about pronunciation. Um, everything about how do you approach it, how do you learn it is new. So, um, I listened a bit to Idasa Nes. I really like him because he's really great in in explaining how you pronounce sounds, and he has this musical approach. I'm <laughs> I'm really not good at any musical things, but it really helped me, like, to give the language a, a certain rhythm and practicing it. And it also helps with listening comprehension because if you can hear the different sounds and the melody of the language, it also helps a lot in understanding what people are saying. And I also liked uh, the approach of Luca Lampariello, who has like a method of, of analyzing the pronunciation of any language, like seeing where do people take breaks? Where does the pitch go up and down and marking it in the text so you can remember it and practice it so it helped me a great deal to try to become better in pronunciation which especially in arabic it's so different the pronunciation from the the other languages i know so it's like and there are no because it's not so common as a language for for people to learn there are not any specific programs on teaching you how to pronounce Arabic. There are some videos, of course, but not like in English or Spanish or French, where you find loads of like courses to maybe help you.
2: So at this stage, you can definitely call yourself a polyglot. And one thing that people always wonder when it comes to polyglots is how can they juggle all these languages in their heads? So what's your process for maintaining multiple languages in your life?
1: First, I was really surprised. Um, I think about two years ago or a year ago, I did the polyglot version of the fluent in three months. And I did Russian and Arabic. Like Russian was really recent for me and Arabic was like the language I studied really continuously. But I also picked up on French and Spanish and I hadn't spoken it or even dealt with it for maybe 10 years. And at first, of course, the languages were gone, but it didn't take long. And I picked up on everything again. And I started being at the stage I had been before. So I think if you've been at a certain level in a language, you don't really forget what you learned anymore. It's, it's like it's not active anymore. So. If you are walking on the street and someone asks you in that language, you are stunned and you can't answer, but maybe it takes a week and then you just pick up on it again. So um, I think it's important to reach a certain level in a language and then you don't have to actively maintain it so much. But I also still, I try like, I activated it when I did the polyglot version of Fluent in three months, and now I'm just trying to have some italki lessons where we just talk, um, like without any real structure. And I sometimes watch Netflix movies, or read a book, or listen to a podcast, just something something relaxing. And this also, if you have re- reached a certain level in the language, it really helps. Uh, because you can do all these fun, relaxing things to maintain the language.
0: So given that you've learned all of these languages and that you've come back to the Fluent in Three Months Challenge several times, what is it that keeps you coming back to the challenge? I think it's a great, great community. It
1: really helps to have all these language enthusiasts to support you because I mean, I enjoy language learning, but there are always times where you feel you don't have any progress or um, where you just don't know where you get stuck. And it's so great to have contact to all these people that struggle as well and that support you and they know how you can do better. Um, I also think that the tasks, the, the assignments you get really help. Um, It gives you some ideas of, I mean, like, I don't think, I I don't learn a language and then I think this is how I do it with every language. I always have to adapt and there are always like new difficulties I have to overcome. And it really helps to have these assignments to see um, that help you to overcome these difficulties and find better ways to learn. And it just helps you to continuously learn. And I think this is very important that you, um, of course, there are like some times where I'm stressed and overworked and then I don't get to learn like every day, but generally I continuously learn and always pick up when I take a break afterwards. And it really helps um, the, the Fluent in Three Month um, uh, Challenge really helps me to keep learning and to stay motivated.
2: And uh, as a part of the challenge, you are uh, very good at making uh, use of the speaking practice channel um, in the alumni group. So like how can you make recording yourself an easy habit? Because that can be difficult for people to initially get into. So how have you incorporated that into your life more consistently?
1: Actually, it helped me to record things without preparing too much. Of course, with some assignments, um, I studied the vocabulary, but I never pre- pre- prepared the single recordings too much because um, it keeps you from being spontaneous. And as soon as you just spontaneously record yourself and you know, if it's not really good, you don't have to publish it. So <laughs> you also don't have to be afraid. It works a lot better. It's like less of an obstacle if you make make it simple. And if you don't try to, if you put yourself under pressure and you think you have to look good and the light has to be right and you have to study for it and you have to be prepared for it. Um that it's not a routine. And it's more a routine if you just say, okay, I just go ahead and I just record and I see it as a way to um listen to myself and see maybe what I should study more and where
0: what things already work out. How do you incorporate your language learning into your daily routine? Well actually, um normally I study quite late.
1: Um, I'm not a morning person and I could never imagine getting up early and studying languages. So I just, I go to work and then I come home and then I normally study something or I have italki lessons or I watch Netflix movies. And I also on vacation, I just like to travel and, um, I always travel on my own. And then naturally, you always get into contact with loads of people. And that gives me the possibility to practice and to really talk. And I always feel like less shy when I'm traveling. I just... I mean, it's not just the the language of the country I'm traveling to, but you also meet loads of people. Like when I was in China, I met people from Mexico and they didn't speak English. So we talked in Spanish and went around for a couple of days. Or so there's always a great possibility to really use it in real life.
2: So like another uh, way you've contributed to the challenges, you've been a great cheerleader for other learners. And uh, this can really be a big help when people are struggling and they have have someone else to support them. So I'm curious if when you were first getting into language learning, did you have other people supporting you or what's kind of inspired you to uh, be this role model for other learners?
1: Yeah, I had I really had um, like in all the challenges, there were people like always greatly helping me out. Like people talking to me, supporting me, cheering, um, cheering my progress, helping me when I didn't know how to go on. And uh, I feel like it's a great community. And um, I just, I love language learning. So I want other people to also succeed in language learning. This is why I also like to help them. I think if, if I think I have something I know I could give to them, I just
0: like to do it. What would you say your most difficult hurdle is in studying multiple languages? Really, it's time. I mean, um,
1: I would so much like to dive into language learning and put in loads of hours because I enjoy it. And um, uh, it would also help me to progress faster. But... um, I work quite a lot and uh, then you have to divide your time between different languages and this just cuts off time of the other languages. So this is really, I think it's the biggest hurdle. I also sometimes confuse the languages, but I think this is not too bad. It's mainly um, if I've, looked or talked in another language, and then I have to switch to, to a different language um, that my brain even mixes up languages that are not alike at all, like Arabic and Russian, for example. Um, but this is something, once I listen more to the target language, I get back into that language and I stop mixing things up. Um, so I'm not so worried about all this mixing up that sometimes occurs.
2: So when, uh, new people are coming into language learning and they, they feel very intimidated by the whole process and they have all their anxiety holding them back, what kind of things would you say to them based on all your experience in these years, uh, that have gotten you to where you are? If you saw somebody who was feeling intimidated, what would you say to them to encourage them?
1: Well the most important thing is we're not learning the languages because we are forced to like we are doing it because we want to learn it so um we should really enjoy it it doesn't matter if if it takes longer if if people are saying oh I learned it really fast and I'm not that fast for whatever reason because I'm busy because I still need time to find out how language learning works for me or because I I don't know. Um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if uh, if we maybe fail at things. It's just the process we should enjoy. And then there is no reason for being anxious about the whole process. I mean, they are always like when you talk to a native speaker for the first time, I mean, I'm always really nervous then. Um, but once you've done it, you also feel really proud, and there are these great moments that you suddenly feel you can connect to people that are really so great that it's really worth um, to be <laughs> uh, to be maybe scared for some time to and to overcome that fear. So I think this is the most important thing. Don't put so much pressure on yourself. It's not like an exam you have to pass or something. Um, you have to pass in a certain time. It's just a goal you set for yourself and it's important to enjoy the process.
0: If someone were considering joining the Fluent in Three Months Challenge but they were still feeling a little bit on the fence about it, what would your advice to them be? i tell them that if
1: they are serious about language learning, it's just really, really, really difficult to do it all by, by yourself. Um it's just um the motivation um the help it's just so important to have like a community that helps you, so this is really and and it's so motivating to be in this group and to see the progress you have in just three months. I mean, even if it's a difficult language and you're not really fluent in three months, you always make a great progress if you really stick to the program and if you're consistent and they should just trust this process and it's a lot better than always just trying on your own and um having loads of failures
2: absolutely and in terms of your long-term plans uh what what do you see in your future uh do you want to take on new language challenges or do you see travels to get to use your languages What well, what is your language future going to look like
1: I want to get to a 2 level, um, in all of my languages and in Russian, I'm still, um, on a lower level. So before I pick up a new language, I want to improve these languages. I would love to travel to Russia after the pandemic, because, um, I think it's, this is why I started learning Russian, because I wanted to travel to Russian-speaking countries. And I think it's just, um, it would be like a reward to learn Russian and then travel there and see how I can connect to people. Um, and then I, I do want to learn other languages. <laughs> I don't want to stop with um, the languages I know, but um, I don't know which one. I can't really decide. There are so many fascinating and interesting languages that whenever I hear about the language, I think, oh yeah, this is the
0: one. This is the one I want to study. But <laughs> um, I will see where where the journey takes me. And given that this is the Language Hacking Podcast, one of the questions that we make sure to ask all of our guests is, what is your definition of language hacking?
1: It's finding a way for yourself that. Helps learning languages faster than going with the traditional or fixed way.
2: Very concise and very well put. I like it. Thanks. So this has been a very interesting interview. A very inspirational to hear your story. Thank you so much for coming along, and uh, we'll um, we'll make sure that people can uh, find you if you have got any socials. It'll be in the show notes, and um, otherwise, thank you, and we will wish everyone. A very happy language learning. Happy
0: language learning. Thanks for having me here. All right. At the end of each episode, Benny and I like to discuss something that we took away from our discussion with our guests. And these are tips that you can apply to your own language learning to give them a go and see how they work out for you. So Benny, why don't you start today? What was your takeaway from our conversation with Svenja?
2: Uh, something Svenja said that I think um, is, uh, is very important that uh, a lot of people might be able to relate to is uh, she said that it's really hard to learn a language alone. And this is one of the reasons the challenge exists is not only is it about the method, but it's also about this sense of community. So whether someone listening is considering the challenge or they want to take their own path in learning a language, either way i would suggest that they find some form of community and support because learning a language is already a challenge in and of itself with all of the grammar vocabulary and all these other things but you do need cheerleaders you need people you know to um, to push you forward to keep you motivated when when it's difficult and uh, it's one reason we wanted to have Svenja on today is like i said she's a big cheerleader on in the community in terms of motivating other people So um, if you have that in your life, whether it's in something like the challenge or you're in your own personal small group of extra learners, that makes a much, much bigger difference than so many other things like that you might imagine, whether you have the right course that you've bought or if the language has particularly difficult grammar, all those things I personally feel are less important than the sense of learning the language alone that you feel like you're the only person in the world doing this. So I really like that that emphasis that she made. What about yourself?
0: Mine is how she talked about building language islands. So you know that I am a huge fan of building language islands, and it's a strategy that I use in all of my languages. There's very specific things that I want to be able to talk about. Like for me, my Chinese is very child-focused because the language I speak with my kids. My Japanese is very music and video game focused, etc. I'm not going to go through each of the languages. We'll be here all day. But... um, I just I think building language islands is just such an amazing strategy because it helps you immediately build confidence in your language because you become essentially a master of being able to talk about very specific things. And I just have always loved the language island metaphor because you imagine the language is this big, vast ocean and these islands are places that you can swim to and you're safe on the land. So it's like you got your little introduction island and you decide, hmm. I'm going to go swim over to book islands and you realize my book island is really tiny and I have to swim really far. But eventually as you learn more book vocabulary, that island it rises up out of the sea gets bigger. The distance between introduction island and boat island gets smaller and it's really great. And then plus, whenever you're having a conversation, you know, someone could be like, Oh, did you see the latest movie? And you're like, Oh, I don't, I'm not really into cinema. I didn't see that movie, but I know that that's like in the fantasy genre and let me steer the boat over to book island because I'm really big into fantasy. So let's talk about fantasy books. And it gives you just this place to kind of steer conversations to go to. And again, just feel that much more confident in your language ability. So I definitely think that the language island strategy is a really great one and a good takeaway from our conversation with Svenja today. So that is it for this episode. Once again, you can leave us a review at languagehacking.com slash review. We love hearing from you. And All of the show notes, resources, and everything are available to you for this episode as well. So we will see you in the next episode. And until then, happy language learning.
2: Happy language learning.
1: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you found this episode valuable and want to help us out, please leave a review at
0: languagehacking.com forward slash review. The Language Hacking Podcast is presented by Benny Lewis and Shannon Kennedy and produced by David Sobel. With special thanks to the Fluent in Three Months team. Theme music was written and performed by Shannon Kennedy. Find the show notes at
1: languagehacking.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening and happy language learning.